Hello everyone and welcome to Saga Ohio, a podcast by fans and players of Saga, the skirmish miniatures game from Studio Tomahawk. For our 18th episode of Saga Ohio and after a long layoff, uh, my guest is Illinois Saga player Andrew Bertelson. Andrew drove to Ohio and entered our CincyCon Age of Vikings tournament and won with his Irish. Andrew, uh, congratulations again and thanks for agreeing to be my guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mike. I've uh, been appreciating uh, listening to your shows in the past. Uh, they kept me company on the long drive out to Ohio, so I'm honored that you think I'm uh, worthy of being a guest. Oh, of course you are. I mean, uh, you, you proved yourself an incredibly worthy opponent, although we did not get a chance to play. So, mm, we did not. Yeah, we'll have to correct I, that in the future. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so how many, how long of a drive was it out there? I mean, how many episodes did you get through? <laughs> Uh, I think it ended up being six and a half hours, though I did break it up a little bit. I stopped in Champagne the night before. Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, it was great to have you there at, uh, at CincyCon. And uh, maybe start off by telling our listeners uh, when and how you got involved in playing Saga. I think I kind of got indirectly involved with Saga through Bolt Action, strangely enough. Um, I think I was at my second Adepticon, which is a pretty good-sized... Um, a gaming war gaming convention here in Illinois, and I was playing bolt action, and we were sharing a hall with this other game, and on the other side, I kept seeing that there were these Vikings involved, and like these boards and dice with all these mysterious symbols. So I got kind of interested, and was walking around a little bit and asking questions, and next thing you knew, I picked up some factions and uh, some rule books. Cool, that's great. That's a, that was a fortunate pairing for uh, for the tournament. Uh, now. Do you go to do you go to Adepticon every year then, or is that just like a every once in a while thing? It's been about every year since uh, from about 2013 or 2014 through until well, 2019 I guess was the last one. So when it comes to Adepticon, has Saga won you over from Bold Action? Do you go to play play Saga, or do you try to play both? I do try and sneak in a little bit of both, but it's been mostly Saga lately. Awesome. I think that's where my heart really lies these days. Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. I mean, there's a lot of bold action players around here in uh, Ohio, too. So I know it's uh, still a growing game and everything. And I know Saga's definitely on the uptick and, on, and we're growing. Uh, I myself have not made it to Adepticon. Um, I would really love to come to the go to this coming one. Uh, so are you going to the one next year or you're still kind of not sure? Actually, unfortunately, this is the year I'm going to have to miss. We have a it's falling at the same time as like my wife and kids, their spring break, and we're going out west to do the uh, like Grand Canyon and a bunch of national parks, that kind of thing. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I'm in the exact, it will be. I'm in the exact same boat. I uh, I usually go somewhere every spring break, somewhere international, and mm -hmm. Adepticon, looking back, has seemed to always hit my spring break as well. And so, I don't know. I I, I may still try to you know maybe do a shorter international trip and, and still see if I can get in get in a, a journey to Adepticon. Uh, I know that's where, if you want to come to the U.S. to play Saga, that's 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 the place to go, it appears. There you go. Do a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe I can get both in, the travel and the, and the Saga. Um, so do you, uh, do you, in the pre-COVID days, about how many tournaments would you get to? Was Adepticon your only real tournament, or did you have some other ones that you went to? Sadly, I, I wish I could get to more tournaments, um, but I just don't really know of a whole lot of others that are happening here in the Midwest. Um, so, honestly, there were quite a few years where 
I'd go to Adepticon, and that'd be about as many games of both of uh, sorry, excuse me, Saga as I would get in like almost the whole rest of the year, pretty pretty even there. So, um, I, I I wish there were more opportunities, but that's that's usually been about it. The only other event I've been to is one time I went to something uh, in Wisconsin called Wapaka, where they had a, a tournament, but that's been it. Was that with uh, Raj from Saga Thursday? Is that his thing or no? I th- I, he has some connection to it, at least. I don't think he was involved in the Saga tournament that year. Okay. I think it was being run by the uh, the group out of Minneapolis. Oh. I know they also have their, uh, their uh, Saga Storm event, but I've never made it up there for that. Now, I haven't been to the Saga Storm event, but uh, this past July I did go. I did just fly up there because off, you know, got the summer off for school, and I found a cheap airfare, and so I flew up to <coughs> Minneapolis, and I managed to get my butt kicked regularly in Saga by, uh, by, those, <laughs> by those much more experienced Saga players, apparently. So um, Yeah, there, there's some real good players up there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, both Monty and Raj uh, started me off. Uh, beat Each of them beat me once, and then, then things got a little better after that. I, I was able to sneak out a tie and a victory, and, you know, I think I had one more really close game that ended up being a loss, but uh, it was fine. I mean, I had a good time. Sometimes you just gotta knock off the rust and then uh, then go 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 gold from there, you know. Right. Yeah. That's I could always blame it on that. Or uh, you know, my 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 moors were jet lagged flying up from uh, flying up from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have a friend, uh, a friend Jason, who was actually on for my Scots uh, um, podcast. He's in kind of the same boat. He about the only real saga he gets in is when he goes to a tournament. And, you know, he, yeah. That's all he really gets a chance to play, you know, throughout the year. So I'm trying to build a bigger community here in Illinois, but it's just so hard these days to get people together. Just everyone's everyone's schedules t- tend to conflict so much. There's and like another pocket down in Peoria, which is like an hour away from us, but we can never really I haven't been able to really communicate with them enough or get anything going there. So how many people do you have in your particular area where you are? I'm really playing with about just like two, three, four other guys, kind of rotating in and out. Got got two main guys that I play with pretty regularly lately. Well, that's good. That's good. So, so you do you can get in games occasionally then with uh, with your friends and everything. Leading honestly, leading up to um, leading up to the convention in Cincinnati, there I was getting games almost every week for like nine weeks in, in advance. They, they, they really stepped up to uh, help prepare me. Oh, wow. That's great. So they were, they were your sparring partners for a while. They, uh, yeah, they, they were, we were, we were uh, trying out all scenarios and they were giving me feedback and we were really trying to suss things out and uh, um, get it going with a good game plan. Well, that's good. That's kind of leading into one of the questions I was going to ask you, but uh, I was trying hard to get the Saga Ohio guys to play all the tournaments. Cause at that time we had, you know, we had both, you know, Advanced Colors and, you know, CincyCon coming up. And then for a, for a while, CincyCon was off the market. We, we weren't going to have one. Then it was back on. And, and so mm-hmm. I kept trying to, come on, guys, we got to play these. Uh, you know, I mean, the unspoken thing being like, hey, I don't want you taking like 15 extra minutes to read the scenario rules when I gave you, you know, six right. months to play it before then. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, well, that's great. Sounds like you got a lot of prep in, but that, uh, you know, um, that normally the tournaments, as far as tournaments go, it's pretty much just uh, Adepticon. Um, yeah. That's, that's good, though. I mean, you, you, you know. And since we hadn't had Adepticon in, uh, like, almost three years now, when I saw something pop up in Ohio, I was like, 
that's kind of a ridiculous drive for a one-day tournament, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm jonesing for some saga, so I'll do it. <laughs> well, I'm glad we did it. Uh, it would have been like an extra, what, uh, maybe an extra hour or less than an hour to, to go to Springfield for Advance the Colors. We would have had... We had 16 players show up for that one, so you could have done it. Yeah, it's a good turnout. Yeah, you could have done it uh, two months in a row. (laughs) Well, getting that past my wife and kids might have been the problem. Plus, uh, my work schedule, I work weekends, so it's it's tough. uh, I would have loved to, but... Yeah. yeah, that's always the hardest part. Is uh, if, if you're a weekend a weekend warrior, so to speak, you know, you, you work on the weekends. It's it's hard to get the the gaming days in. So anyway, you brought your Irish to the tournament uh, successfully. I as did. We all know. Uh, so what was your build for for our listeners and equipment? And um, did you ever actually have to use your seventh extra point or no? See, you, you mentioned a seventh point. I didn't I didn't even know we were allowed a seventh point. So I only brought a six point list. We're, we were allowed to do that thing they like to do over in Britain where they you bring like seven points in field six. Is that what it was? Yeah, exactly. And I, I you know, and the reason is because the, the Northern Tempest guys sent me their player packet and I kind of went through okay. it and edited it a little bit uh, for, for, for uh, other ATC. And I thought, well, let's try this seven thing. I, my guys weren't used to it either. I had to keep re-explaining it and everything. So you mean we have to, you know, and, uh, so, but I just wanted it out there as, as an option. And I know a lot of people didn't bring a seventh point and they like you. Okay. So, so what were your yeah. six points then? <clears throat> well, I do like the seven point format. I just, I guess I just missed that. Um, that being said, I brought, um, one point of Hearthguard, which were of course turned into two Curad. Cause if you're doing Irish without Curad, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Then I had three points of warriors, just javelins on foot, and I had two points of levy in the end, with, and I fielded them with slings for all three games. Um, I, I did actually, so for a lot of games going before this, I was fielding my warlord and my heroes all on foot with javelins, but then I, I, in a practice game, I started using them mounted, and I found that they were incredibly useful in any of the scenarios where there are uh, um, objectives on the board because they can really get a lot done uh, with their determination and that long move to uh, reach out and threaten uh, an objective that otherwise might be like too far out of play if you're having to go after it entirely with uh, like your own dice, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, especially uh, maybe not so much uh, if you're playing like feasting and pillaging like we did at ATC, but the claiming territory, I could see that one being really effective. That and desecration where somebody likes to hide um, like one of their objectives, you know, way deep in a corner. Um, that's OK. <laughs> I got I got this uh, this the cheap little half point hero who can still uh, just move uh, steadily towards it turn after turn. And uh, then you basically if you haven't. If you haven't put something there to defend it, uh, it's free, free, uh, free objective for me. Yeah, I found that desecration's an easier one for mounted, easier, easier objective-based game for a mounted army because, you know, the otherwise feasting and pillaging. Once you grab onto it, you start getting fatigue, and you mm-hmm. know it moves you down to short, and you become you know, nothing more than a slow-moving target. Um, so yeah, that's that's true. That that would be good, and we did have did have our share of objective type games that's for sure the downside to that was i did not have them painted and i had to paint that i was painting them 
the day before I left. They were just primed that morning, oh and I, I, just, I finished them up at like 5.30, 6 p.m. when it was like time, to, time for me to leave and drive to my in-laws in, in Champaign. Oh but I got them done. I got them done. <laughs> so... That, unfortunately, is kind of my M.O. I'm a, a, a last-minute painter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would just say that there are very few games I, I, I run at conventions where at least one one batch of figures does not have the whiff of dull coat still on them. From uh, <laughs> Yep. Because you're thinking when you're setting something up, you're like, this would be cool, and this would force me to get it finally painted. Well, the force exactly. is the right, right word there. Wow, so you were, exactly. you were just finishing them up. So. Yep, and they came in, they, they came in wonderful, so... Wonder, uh, great, great, great usefulness out of them. So I'm glad I did. We have a we have a guy locally that plays the Irish, uh, Tyler, and I had him on an earlier one, and it's his seemed very similar to yours. Um, mm -hmm. You're pre you're pretty much focused on the shooting aspect with the with the warriors and the levy, then, right? You're not so much charging them with the warriors. Uh, no, I, that, that's what I would use um, more my warlord and my uh, uh, my two heroes for. Uh, when I have them mounted, that's that's when I kind of do a little bit of combined arm stuff um, when I need to charge stuff. And usually I'll try and uh, switch my focus over to my two abilities that support the, the heroes, that uh, Blood of Kings and Ireland's Heart. But uh, yeah, with the levies, I, I, I think I got the two levy um, suggestion, maybe just off somebody on like the Facebook group. Somebody had mentioned that. And I finally gave it a try and I really liked it because it gives you you know, two units to really reach out and touch people. And I want to try and force people to get frustrated and like rush out a single unit at me. Um, and then I can kind of swarm it uh, on my turn with all of the javelins and finish it off and kind of just keep, if I can just keep repeating that over and over again, having them kind of just funnel one unit to me at a time. Uh, I think that's, that's a perfect situation for the Irish. People have a tendency to do that. They'll load up their boards saying, okay, I'm going to put everything in all these eggs in this one basket this one big hit but then of course that unit's kind of left out on its own so um yeah i could see that now one difference tyler runs here is instead of the second levy he usually runs the war dogs do you ever use the war dogs i played them once <laughs> i painted them for a game played them one time and then i was like i'm not going to finish basing these guys i i don't see any real synergy on the board um, cause at first I, I kind of think maybe they would be good for like, if I want to attack, um, like a shooty unit that's hiding in like some woods or something to take advantage of their ability to move through that uneven ground. But at the same time, like if they want a missile duel with me, I, that, that kind of plays into my hand cause my board, you know, it shoots real well and my guys have javelins. So their armor is still four against shooting. So I don't, I just, I just don't, I just don't think the the dogs work that well with the board. Okay. Yeah, I could see that too. I, you know, looking at the, at the battle board, it does seem to have a heavy weighting towards shooting and, um, the dogs wouldn't get all that. Uh, and you two, your really big melee abilities are for heroes only. So exactly. Know, it's not gonna, not gonna help the, help the pooches that much, uh, for that one. Um, speaking of your two levy build, I, I've been playing the Picts lately from the Age of Invasions, and I experimented mm. uh, on Sunday with three levy. I ran two javelins Ooh. and one and one bow. Uh, not the crossbows okay. because I don't have them painted yet, and I would I just okay. can't bring myself to say, hey, pretend these are crossbows. But uh, I actually liked it. Uh, I was worried beforehand, and it did happen a little, 
that I ran short on uncommon dice to, to move and okay. take advantage of all those. But looking at your build, I, I think that two levy, you're not going to fall over yourself with uncommon, you know, a lack of uncommon dice. I think that's a pretty good balance you've got with the heroes using anything and the warriors using the, the commons and the levies using the uncommons. Yeah, it's not too bad. Plus, you know, the old ways is just such a good ability on my board. That way I can use even a uh, common die to activate three units. So I'll activate those two levy units there and then something else. And then I'll use my Warlords, uh, like we obey to activate a levy. Now I've already gotten three levy activations out off of just one common die. And then like if people are using my fatigue a lot when I'm shooting, I'll just like load up all, almost all my uncommon dice on uh, just more levy activations and just, just keep throwing six dice at them and see what sticks. Yeah, and wait until they finally say, okay, you know, we're not going to use the fatigue and let you get fatigued up a little bit until you're, until you're exhausted. Yep. What's your basic battle plan? I mean, I know that it depends on who, who you're facing, but uh, what's your basic battle plan to win with this, this Irish build here? The, the, the heroes, the warlord, the mounted heroes and warlord, and the three warriors and the two levy. Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends a little bit on, on the scenario, but like for just a straight fight, like I said, um, I want to try and... Um, lead as much as I can with those those levies and the heroes out front. Um, I kind of keep my warriors a little a little more in reserve, I would say, to counterpunch, because um, I want them to be like double activating to reach me, if possible, so that they're coming in with some fatigue. Um, by assuming this is, of course, like a, another foot um, a foot opponent as opposed to a mounted opponent. Right. So I, I try and uh, I try and uh, um, force them to come at me with the levy and lots of activations there. Um, and then, uh, finish off with the warriors or counter punch with the, uh, the heroes. Uh, or if I can't, if I'm still having trouble with that, I'll try and like bait them first with, with the heroes, putting them up there and loading up, uh, blood of Kings so that they have that resilience too, to try and, uh, um, draw them in and then, uh, um, I'm counter punch as much as possible. I'm also, I always have to be a little bit aware of not overextending myself where I find I do get myself in trouble is when I get those javelins um, within charge range in multiple spots. And the next thing I know on, on my opponent's turn, I'm taking like two or three charges back and they, they just kind of vaporize pretty easily with that uh, armor of three in melee. So I got to be real careful there. I try and work a lot of times from one end to another, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. as opposed to attacking like multiple places on a line. I've only played played against the Irish once, and I was using my moors, and I mistakenly in the beginning tried to have a shooting duel with them, uh, and I realized that you know, okay. after a while that wasn't working out, um, and then went charging in against them, and I, I did find that to be a lot more successful to to uh, to just charge into those le those uh, warrior units, and especially since you're not going to get the plus one for javelin on when I'm charging you. Was there a faction you were dreading facing? Were there some that you were salivating to face? Uh, what, uh, how'd you feel about coming to play in Age of Vikings? Age of, the Age of Vikings factions are the ones I'm the most familiar with, so I've, I was pretty comfortable there. But there's still a few I don't think I've ever even hardly played against. Um, like, nobody out here plays Pagan Roos, and I know they've got, you know, some good anti-shooting abilities with their ability to... Um, like uh, reduce was it reduce shooting to shorter or something like that or medium, and whatnot, yeah. which would be a real problem for my for my heavy levy build. Um, that would kind of make my slingers kind of useless. And uh, Carolingians also is another one that I find kind of mysterious. That's a board I haven't played with or against. And I know from listening to your podcast, you've played some, and um, I know that you play uh, play some Carolingians. So I was a little worried. What's going to happen if we cross paths? Because I just I'm not going to.
to make optimal choices if I don't know really what's going on with your board, you know? And as for as, for as far as ones I was uh, kind of salivating for, anything with lots of cavalry, of course, because I'm planning on doing a lot of shooting. So I was pretty happy to, uh, to face any Norman uh, opponents. So were you able to catch the Normans? I mean, their big thing is they dance away, you know, before you get a chance to, to really close with them. Um, or is that uh, the shooting, it was okay to, to get in range and shoot? Or how, how'd that work out for you? Well, I did end up facing some Normans. Um, uh, and I, honestly, they didn't really load up that many of their evasive abilities, so I didn't have that much of a problem. But the nice thing about the, the Irish is at least they are pretty maneuverable in their shooting, being able to, uh, um, you know, shoot at the end of a movement. So you can kind of kind of maneuver around a little bit. I I find that the Normans are a tough a tough matchup um, if you're playing the Normans to take on the Irish. My Irish actually at one point started off as my daughter's faction when I was teaching her to play. Okay. And I would always play Normans against I would I would uh, always play Normans against her because I it, I felt like it was a good matchup on paper. Um, this was in first edition, mind you. Okay. Um, so. Any any Norman players out there who are struggling with Irish, don't feel bad. I can't even beat a nine year old girl with uh with them. <laughs> so the Irish are that good. <laughs> so I, I find they're pretty strong. In first edition in particular, I think they were a little overpowered. They benefited from some uh, definite power creep. All right, so you, so you're looking forward to playing the the Normans. Uh, how do you feel about Vikings with all their uh, all their Odin abilities out there? Well, I'm actually, I, was actually, I would actually be really happy with any Viking matchup simply because my buddy Don, that's what he plays almost exclusively. So I would say probably 75% of my games of Saga have been against the Vikings. So I'm, I'm real familiar with what they have to offer. But that's also one of the main reasons I eventually moved to uh, this double levy build because I was always getting frustrated because, okay, if I try and move my levy up and start shooting like that, they immediately get Odin and exhausted and then it's kind of back to square one. But with two levy units, then I think he can't possibly do both. Right. So the Carolingians are an interesting board. I, I, I was not, I did not take them to CincyCon. I thought about it, but honestly, I just, uh, the more I played it, it seemed so one-dimensional shooty-wise. It was just, it was just load up my, my big warrior units, my warrior bow units, and, you know, gun down the enemy coming towards me. It just, it just, it wasn't as fun. So I yeah. gave, gave up running them and went back to, Playing my Scots, uh, you know, for for the uh, CincyCon tournament, not not in a particularly successful outing. I that was actually, believe it or not, that you know, in the two years I've been playing with it, that was my first ever Saga tournament I had played in. And generally around here in the Saga Ohio games, I have a pretty good record. You know, you know, I win you know significantly more often than I lose. And I just had called it before. I said, here's what's going to happen. You know, all this run of success that are are game days i'm going to go to that that tournament and i'm gonna i'm you know my dice are going to die or whatever and i went one one and one <laughs> there with the scots who prior to that point i had never lost a game with those scots and i managed to win only one of three with them so yeah that scots board can be pretty tough particularly if you can be defensive was it the did you feel like you had to go on offense more for some of the scenarios you know honestly i the the first game was against um Anglo-Saxons. It was the guy who ended up coming in second place, Michael. Um, <laughs> and uh, it worked out exactly exactly like my plan. I mean, you know, the, I, I load up that one, two, three punches, I call it, uh, where you end up rolling maximum amount of attack dice that you can that you can, can with your combat pool. And, uh, you know, would take out a unit a turn, or, you know, each turn take out one of his units. Um, 
But then I, my second match was against the one you played in the final round was against Jenny, who I've played a ton of times with and a ton of times with her Vikings, which was, she was playing. And it just, it just wasn't rolling for me. Uh, I would, I would, uh, do my, you know, load things up to do stuff and I would not cause any casualties or, um, her cash, you know, she would do things that I wouldn't save or, and it was a close game. I mean, I, I kind of made a little desperation charge at the end. And if I hadn't done that, we figured it out. We probably would have tied. Um, mm. so, but I was still trying to figure out a way to get a win out of it. Um, and then my last game was just, uh, you know, astounding and how well my opponent was rolling their saves. I mean, there was one point where I think I was telling you about that. I rolled 22 attack dice and caused no casualties. Um, yeah, that's bananas. And he, he was, and these were melee attacks and he saved oh, yeah. on that many fives. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't cause 22 hits, but I rolled okay. 22 attack dice and my, my attack, my hits were so bad and his saves were great. Um, okay, just, so you're both uh, outside the box and at, uh, right, <laughs> both right. in a bad way for you. Yeah, so anyway, so it, I don't think it was anything to Scott's you know, tactical. I, I think that I actually am okay if I flub a, a, in a game, if I flub like, you know, deployments or make a bad call like I did at the end with, you know, charging Jenny with my warlord um, and losing him. Um, I'm okay with, you know, when, when I lose for that. What, what probably gets... It, frustrates me more is when i do everything right but the dice don't 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 agree with it and and don't cooperate and i'm just like oh come on yeah <laughs> that gotta, is frustrating what do i gotta do so yeah so yeah and that's and that's what it was since he kind of was like that for me but hey you know what uh you know all those other successes i had the rest of the games that that, that was the uh that was the payback that was the other end of the bell curve i know it's been about a month since uh since we were there can you kind of take us through your games maybe and uh you know, recount what happened? Sure. So, uh, game one, I got the matchup I wanted. <laughs> I got to play against Norman. So I was like, okay, this is, we're off to a good start. I like that. Uh, the scenario we were playing was uh, Change of Plans, which is one I'd actually never played uh, because I'd always kind of skipped it because I always looked at it as like, eh, this feels kind of like just a kill scenario with a few extra steps. So I had never really bothered with it. Um, and let's see. So we deployed almost entirely off to one side that we both ended up favoring. Like I was deploying on my right. He was deploying on his left primarily. And he was player one. I got to be player two, which I'm usually pretty happy with. Mm -hmm. But he just started hammering me right off the bat on turn one with his three dice. And I've got an empty board um, charging across and then using that other ability. I think it's called pursuit. So you can make a second charge without fatigue and just immediately hitting my unit. Um, he was he was very very aggressively using the uh the charge ability where he can get five dice if he takes an extra fatigue for the fight and it was just doing so much damage because these were like he was using even units of um his own javelin men his own javelin warriors mounted so he's getting a plus one on all of his dice he's hitting on twos getting a lot of uh, a lot of mileage from all those extra dice and blowing up my immediately blows up a unit uh at the beginning of my turn or his turn, excuse me. Then my turn comes, I start attacking his stuff, just trying to finish off the unit that he's left in front of me with two fatigues. And at first I'm not rolling real hot, and he's rolling good on his saves, and I'm struggling to, to get much killed, and we're, it's it's still pretty even. Turn two, he uh, he hit me again real hard with with some more stuff. I think at that point I lost two or three dice of, of, of units that are generating Saga dice. And it wasn't looking really good. I'm like, oh man, did I did I drive all this way to Ohio and immediately gonna take a loss against a what I thought was a good matchup? But then uh finally on turn three, I think 
uh, we had a bit of a turning point. Uh, he had um, pulled his hearth guard back after launching an attack, and I think he saw an opportunity. He hadn't used his warlord's um, determination yet, and he saw an opportunity to knock off one more dice. It would have taken me down to generating only two saga dice. So I think he couldn't resist that, and he sent his warlord out kind of uh, unaccompanied by those, those hearth guard. And it worked. He did, he did knock another unit out of uh, below where it was generating dice. But at that point, I did sneak one hit through. So his, his warlord was sitting out there with two fatigues in front of me. Then I was able to counterpunch on my turn, luckily, because the Irish can get a lot done, even with just two dice, so long as all my heroes are alive. I was able to, I, I think I sacrificed one, like, small unit of, like, one or two warriors, maybe. I just threw it at the warlord. They died, but they put a third fatigue on him. Then I was able to shoot with my levy, kill the warlord, spread fatigue to another one of those units that had been charging me and using um, the charge ability. So it's sitting there with two fatigue. Now it's exhausted. Now I'm charging it with my warlord, using like two of those fatigues to make myself armor six. So I'm invincible, using that other fatigue to make him armor two. And I'm auto hitting him with all eight of my, eight of my hits with my javelins. That blows that up, hits another unit, um, it fatigues it to exhaustion. And then I'm able to charge it with my hero, do the same thing. And so I, I was able to counter punch and take out three of his units real fast there. And at that point, I think he was down to two dice. And um, kind of at that point, my board's able to do a lot more with only two dice than what the the, the Norman board is able to do. And it was uh, uh, at that point, it was just kind of mopping up after that. So I was really on the ropes for the first three turns, and then it kind of just turned around. Wow, that sounds like a great game. Yeah, you're playing uh, Jim Randall, I believe, and uh, I was actually right next to you guys, and I, it looked like he was coming across and landing the haymakers early on. And uh, but, uh, I see with your that old way that can, and you know the the way your battle board's set up, you can use a lot of, uh, you know, you can you actually can get a lot of stuff off with just a few dice. Yeah, I used to when I first started playing these guys, I I, I would sometimes take Hearthguard and then just have like three other units to activate with the old ways. But I actually start running into the point where I would lose one unit and I couldn't use it anymore because I wouldn't have enough, like, I have to have three units if I have three heroes to activate. And it would actually become like a problem where I wouldn't have enough and it would, uh, oh. I'd be losing that, that, that really powerful ability. Yeah. So I, that's why part of the reason I took my Hearthguard out of this build. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, so you, you, you want to know, it, it, it actually was yep. worth the drive at this point. And... <laughs> so then game two rolls around and I get matched up again with Normans. <laughs> so, so I'd love to say that, that my victory here at this tournament was, uh, uh due to, um, my brilliant play, but I, I was given a few gifts maybe I think in the matchups, not to take anything away from my Norman players. It's just that I think it's like when, when you have all that cavalry out there, just all that cavalry, um, and I have so much shooting. Everybody, everybody in my, my force can have um, javelins or a sling if I want. Uh, it, it just becomes hard for the Norman player. But uh, So I've got Normans again in, in uh, uh, the second round. We're playing this time. It's feasting and pillaging with the three um, objectives across the middle. And again, I got to be player two, which is usually pretty good. Uh, I think my Norman player pushed, the Norman player pushed up kind of conservatively on his turn. I think I maybe pushed up kind of conservatively on, on my first turn. We're each kind of staring at the objective markers. And then on turn two, uh, I think he moved forward and started gra and grabbed one and moved uh, like a, another unit in front of it to kind of like be a screening unit. And, but at that point I just started just unleashing shots after shots after shots, just clouds of uh, of javelins and, um, and sling stones. 
And my dice were super hot in game two, just out of the box, probably like 50% higher than they should have been. And his, his saves were probably a bit lower than they were supposed to be. So it didn't take much because he was, he had a fairly heavy hearth guard build. So there's not a ton of models. So the, the casualties just mounted up real fast and, uh, um, his, his, his stuff melted pretty quickly to the shooting. So I was able to, con uh, uh, by the end of the game, I think I controlled all three objectives, which was nice. Yeah, I found that with Hearthguard, when they're getting shot at, it's either, it seems to be either overly effective, or like, oh my gosh, you killed two, two Hearthguard with that one shot, with those shots. Or it's one of those things where I did all the shooting, I did nothing. You know, I did all the shooting, I did nothing. <laughs> it's that five, that five to hit is, is tough. I mean, it's either you get yeah. more than you should, or, or let, wait, you don't get any at all, or hardly any at all. The, the Irish do have, luckily, we have that nice, uh, that nice seat ability, so I can mark a target if I need to, and then I'm hitting them on fours. And these guys are mounted. So I can be hitting him on threes if I want to. So uh, that's that's real good. Tyler uses that uh, as his mainstay. Uh, is the seed ability? Mm -hmm. Do you do you pretty much use it as a regular thing if you're shooting? You're starting it off with the uh, with the with the one of the heroes shooting. It depends pretty heavily on how I've decided to field my uh, warlord and my heroes. If I have my heroes on foot, then yeah, I'm I'm using that a ton. I'm using one of those heroes to uh, um, move forward with his free activation, and I'm I'm, I'm discarding those simple two dice to uh, give everybody else a plus one, which is fantastic. Um, but if I if it's an objective scenario and I've got my guys mounted, I, d I tend to not use it because uh, my other units are generating four dice, and I don't want to throw that away usually. Yeah, when you've got a unit that's advanced and, and it's sitting in front of you, kind of unsupported, and it's the like one thing you can focus on uh all that shooting it's they're they're doomed if uh if seed is up it, it turns all the shooting into crossbow fire it's 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 yeah. too good it's too good yeah. so uh round three you're facing jenny uh and she's got mm -hmm. her uh hearth guard heavy viking build yes and once again i was happy with the matchup because like i said i play vikings a ton so that I, i'm pretty familiar with them and the scenario is uh claiming territory mm -hmm. so you score points based on um, conquest points, is that what they call them, I think? Yeah, I believe so. I think it's conquest points. points, which is based on the number of models you have in one unit. And she has five points of Hearthguard in her build. So she only has 20 models, then a unit of Levy, which score half conquest points, and a Warlord. So I'm looking at it, and I think this is, again, a really great matchup for me, simply because I have so many more models than her for scoring... Um, for scoring those conquest points. So I came up with a plan where, since I get to place the two objective markers that are in her territory, I was gonna place one really far away and just see what I could draw over there just by placing one hero and like a unit of levy over there. And cause that creates kind of a, a question that my opponent has to answer. Cause if they don't put enough stuff over there, then okay, my hero can kind of just advance on whatever that objective is and take it by himself. Or if they draw, if they put down too much stuff, then I can go, okay, well, I still have free activations because I have um, determination and I just ride away. And then I can focus all my stuff over on the other objective, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So my plan, I figured I can kind of just outscore her simply by the number of models I have. So I played a very defensive game. I deployed um, two units of 10 warriors, uh, basically right next to each of the objectives in my uh in my deployment zone, so that they, each of those could score uh, six points, I think it is. Mm -hmm. 
I think uh, the um, the practice games really came in handy here, where I was aware of uh, the size of the units to score as many points as possible. So two units of 10 score uh, six points a turn on defense, whereas she was going to have a hard time even matching that. So she was really going to have to come to me and take my, uh, take my objectives. So I kept those guys back all game, and I tried to just move everything else forward kind of as sacrificial stuff and try and just pick off a model here, model there to try and uh, reduce the number of points that she could score on defense. And it worked pretty well, honestly. Uh, I ended up with a, a, a pretty good win. Yeah, I was a little baffled with uh, some, how some of that worked. Um, and now that I've played it once, I would change things around, how I do things. Of course, depending on what army I'm using. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I can see where the, the practice game, especially with that, that particular one, would really come in handy. Uh, yeah, I played that one three or four times, I think, in advance. And my big takeaway was, yeah, be aware of um, just how to deploy your stuff to kind of maximize your points as far as just like the size of your units. The unit sizes, yeah, I hadn't uh, hadn't really considered, you know, changing it up that much just because of that. Because I'm always thinking, even when I'm playing a scenario, my thought is always, how do I make my units their most effective, you know, to attack the enemy, not necessarily to attack mm -hmm. scenario objectives. So it's a it's a bit a good bit of advice there on that uh, particular one because I think. I think that we're doing claiming territory at the Daycon tournament. We got another tournament coming up. Um, we're, we're awash in tournaments after for two years not having any tournaments at all in the Ohio area. We have. I saw that. I'm months. so jealous. Yeah. So we got one. <laughs> yeah, you guys are lucky. Uh, yeah, we are. We were really lucky at Daycon, which is the first Saturday in December. And uh, mm -hmm. Adrian, who was going to run the CincyCon one, then I had to back out. Um, he's running that one and. Um, I don't remember if claiming territory is the, one of the ones we're doing. I know we're doing the crossing. I know we're doing change of plans. Um, and it may be claiming territory also. We'll see. Anyway, I'll look it up. But if, if it is that one, I will, I will take another look at my uh, unit sizes and see how to maximize yep. it for that particular, that particular round. Th yeah, think about moving stuff, stuff around to have two units of 10 warriors because they can, they can score a significant a significant number of extra points than yeah. compared to like a unit of eight. Were there any uh, surprises? Uh, I know you've placed all, played pretty much all familiar armies, but any surprises in the opponents, the way they built their armies or the tactics or anything like that? Or was it all, you know, you felt pretty comfortable with everything you're going up against? I think I felt pretty comfortable overall. I was, I was surprised that I didn't see more use from the Norman players of the evasion, evasion abilities. Uh, they came at me with more aggression and just a, a, kind of a, a punch-me-in-the-mouth style than what I was expecting. But uh, like I said, it actually worked really well. <laughs> so I can't really fault them for that. Um, so good on them, I guess. When I, when I think Normans and everything, I think of you know the actual historical late medieval Normans, basically Vikings on horseback, some of the fiercest fighters of the Middle Ages, and that kind mm -hmm. of constant aggression, pound, pound, pound. Um, and so when I saw that Norman board, and I saw some people playing them as the dance away, you know, you know, all but uh, step army, you know, I just kind of really scratched my head how it goes. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is it is odd. I mean, I, I know historically they're trying to throw in the Bretons, too, and simulate them with the yeah. same with the same battle board. And actually, Jim, who you played, who was so aggressive with his Normans. Has actually, I don't know if you you tamed him or what, because the last couple of games I've seen, he seems to be more of the 
the dancing away Norman instead of Breton instead of <laughs> instead of the charging uh, charging Norman. Ah, he's embraced the mobility, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's pretty important for the Norman board to 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 embrace that side of it as well. Try try and use all the tools there. Right now, he he was playing it a lot before when he was playing the Arpadian Hungarian one, uh, which I guess is a oh. Age of Crusades one that uses the Norman battle board, where it has some a lot of warrior warrior uh, mounted units, and that's what he pretty much had. He had okay. Most of his army is mounted warriors. But the Arpadian Hungarians were still allowed to have that one unit of uh, levy bow to launch their 24-inch artillery strikes with. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, and I do like that Norman board. I like that uh, um, that combined arm style. I find that very uh, a rewarding game to play. That and the, the Welsh are, are a nice mix of uh, troop type. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with the Welsh yet. I think I've only played against them once. That was against Monty at maybe the last Adepticon. Um, but that was with a different force entirely. I was using the Alms Vikings then, but that, that's, that's a tough board. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it is. That's actually what I cut my teeth with on Saga. That was my first army. And I, I played like I had, I had really good success with it too. Then I found out that it was like regarded as one of the toughest, toughest, uh, armies. And, uh, I said, okay, well, I'll start playing the Scots instead, you know, cause I've got enough figures now for it. I've I'd been painting up some more more foot spearmen and then everybody's saying well the scots are the other tough army in age of vikings i'm like okay i get it now <laughs> whatever army i'm playing and winning with that's the toughest one in the thing and that's why i'm winning right <laughs> yeah 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 sure yeah that's how it goes so any any uh tactics you were unfamiliar with with the uh with your opponents or other than maybe the the uh big charging uh normans that's the biggest thing that caught me off guard but uh, luckily like i got matched up against boards i've I'm really familiar with like either the Vikings that I, that I play against so regularly or Normans that I play against my, that I play myself sometimes that I, I, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on things. That's good. That's good. It's always good to, to uh, feel a little com more comfortable, especially when you're playing all brand new players and you don't know anything of how they play uh, or anything yep. like that. So speaking of which, what, you know, a lot of us here in the Saga Ohio land, we're, we're relatively new players. Um, how did the competition level compare to, say, what you played up against? Uh, obviously, Adepticon is going to be the elite of the elite, but where, where would you, where would you stick the Saga Ohio group at? I don't want to say Adepticon's the elite of the elite because it really is. It's it welcomes all all skill levels. Like there's there are people there who only only played Adepticon. Like that's all the games they get every year. So there there are very very new players there also. Okay. Um, so okay. Maybe it wasn't compared to, say, my very one of my very first Adepticon games when I barely knew how to play myself, and I immediately get matched up against Andy Lyon and Tracy, <laughs> who you've spoken with, and he has what did he say like nine uh, Grand Melee National Grand Melee titles. Yeah. So that was my very first Adepticon game, and I got pretty thoroughly spanked, uh, but they were nice about it, so that's good. Even though I was probably playing, I think I was playing like half the rules wrong because I didn't know what I was doing. But yeah, there's there's a lot of really good there are a lot of good players that do show up there at Adepticon. Um, uh, have you ever talked to Stephen Holdeman? He was on the U.S. Um, World Cup team. He's a player who's often there um, at Adepticon. He might be a good guest for you in the future. No, I don't think I have. Where's he from? Do you know? Um, oh, gosh. He's out west. I want to say Kansas City. Okay. All right. No, I haven't. I'll have to look him up. We played all preset terrain um, mm -hmm. in, in this tournament, and we also played it that way at ATC. Let's say you're doing a pickup game with your Irish. 
what do you do? What do you throw out there on the board for for your Irish if you can, you know, if you get a chance to place a, a few pieces of terrain or two or three pieces? Well, lots lots of terrain, I guess, is is, is my first goal. Um, but I always usually lead off with um, one of the pieces of like the the really heavy uh, the heavy heavy cover terrain, either the the ruins or the rocky ground, and I like to usually set it up right at the edge of my. Um, right at the edge of my deployment zone. That's kind of a place where I'm looking to put my levees. And I put it at the edge, kind of leading out of my deployment zone so that I can kind of move one move in further into it and give myself a little bit of a wider uh, a wider reach into my opponent's um, deployment zone with my shots. After that, I'm looking probably to take the other one if my opponent hasn't. Like if I put down my rocky ground, if he hasn't taken those ruins, I'm gonna take those ruins. And then after that, I'm just looking to field probably as many additional spots as far as either um, either the woods or like fields as I can, depending on what looks nicer and what I have at hand. And for the scenario, maybe I might be looking to like block off, um, like one of the sides, try and funnel them more to the middle. What troop types seem to give the most trouble to your Irish? What, uh, either abilities that people have on their board or troop types? What, what do you kind of, uh, what do you not like to see across the table from you? Where I've gotten myself in trouble I, is usually when I'm playing against somebody who just has a lot of good foot sloggers. Um, and if, if I'm not careful in my approach, if I get over greedy and I start attacking multiple places on the line, instead of trying to focus fire really just one spot at a time, um, then I can really be vulnerable to those counter charges. Uh, I've had a few games leading up to the tournament where where I did that. Like I had slid my sons of Dana, had some ac extra activations. And I would uh, move up like a couple javelin units, cause like light casualties in a couple of spots, and then just get absolutely pummeled by the counterattack. This is a Viking player I'm, I'm playing against, so of course they can hit really, really hard and uh, just rack up the dice and just vaporize my units. So I would say aggressive, um, an aggressive uh, foot slogger army if I'm not being properly cautious. Have you ever played against the Anglo-Saxons in their like six levy build? The... They, where they have all levy spear and then they come up and they use that ability that changes them into warriors for on their turn for attacking. I have not played against it with my Irish. If anybody plays it in my group, it's me. I don't okay. do the, I have not yet done, I, I, sorry, one time I played the all levy build, but I found it boring and I, I couldn't throw any helmets. <laughs> so I didn't really just take full advantage of it. So I was kind of like, eh. So instead, the build I went for, uh, um, I've been playing for Anglo-Saxons, has been, I think, three points of warriors that I can have two units of 12 warriors, mm -hmm. and uh, then and three points of levy. So that I always have at least two units, even when I don't have helmets, that can still hit pretty hard and get a lot done. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. Andy, one of our local players, does the, the six levy build, and I'd like to do it too, but I really don't want to paint. That's uh, a lot 70, of models. 70 figures, and uh, I mean, I know I can pull them from other armies. I can say, okay, here, I'm going to use these guys. I'm going to use the Carolingians and stuff like that, but uh, I hate hate breaking up my armies and uh, and then having to put them all back together again. <laughs> so, but uh, Yeah, that's uh, a lot of models. I got 12 models into that that. Um, project and then i was like oh boy that's still too many <laughs> yeah. i'm switching gears yeah i'm looking at uh, the the army that i'm supposedly working on and i haven't painted a figure since the summer on is the uh is is the mongols and i'm looking at all those cavalry to paint and i'm like oh <laughs> i'm not quite really yeah. ready to go back into that yet 
So. Yeah, let's take a little extra time. A little tougher than my Irish, which are just like dudes in potato sacks and paint up yeah, in no time exactly. at all. Exactly, dudes in and, uh, and there's even rules on what colors they could wear and everything like that. So you don't even. Yeah, have I didn't really pay too much attention to that, but. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that. But uh, so, um, in the grand scheme of things, and all the years you've been playing uh, version two of the Irish, let's say, how many times do you think you've played played them? Just a wild guess. Oh gosh, I'd say probably had six six to eight games. Um, before I started leading up into this uh, tournament prep, and I think I got like nine games. So I probably got 17 games in before the tournament that I'd already played the Irish in. Okay, that's a good amount. What do you, what do you enjoy most about playing them? What's what's the, the most fun thing about fielding the Irish? I do kind of like the way they do have, um, they can do a little bit of, they can do shooting well, but they also can be kind of surprising with their, the way they can switch gears and uh, really pop defense. When, uh, when you can see that the opponent it's going to be counter punching into like say your unit that you've got in in some cover you can really catch them off guard with spirits of the land and whale of the banshee particularly if you've managed to keep them like two activations away so they're going to come into you with some fatigue you pop those two and suddenly you're saving on like i think twos mm -hmm. <laughs> twos in melee if you got hard cover to start with and you've got two extra defense dice you can really uh um you can really survive a lot at that point it can really catch people off guard and i like how you can also kind of switch gears and if you're running your heroes and warlord uh, mounted how you can kind of switch gears you can suddenly become kind of a bit of a melee faction when you got blood of kings and ireland's heart available so i kind of like the um kind of the the, the the ways it is mostly a shooting board let's not let's make no mistake there it's mostly a shooting board but uh i don't know i, I like some of the little tricks in there when i when i when i get managed to pull some of that off is when i, I feel pretty clever okay so what's it, let's say you're going to load up to do an attack. Are you going to use one of the heroes in, or are you throwing your warlord in? Uh, maybe fight like a single a single point of something that's off to the side, and then I can attack it with like that lone hero, and then really punch above my weight with Blood of Kings and Ireland's Heart. It's pretty cool when you start winning a battle of attrition. I feel with my my one half point hero against an entire point worth of stuff. Oh okay, I see. So that works. And he's giving up zero casualties because he's canceling everything. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is really frustrating, I'm sure. Was the Irish your first army you started playing then with uh, version two, or was there another one that was before, that kind of predated the Irish that uh, you played more with? Uh, in version two, I think I started kind of with. I think my first game might have been Normans, but it was pretty pretty quick. Normans, Irish, and I think Yams Vikings is what I was playing pretty quick, because those were the ones I was already playing playing with in first edition. It's what I had at hand. Anything from the new Age of Invasion book that, that intrigues you? Uh, is there anything you uh, you want to field here soon? Well, we talked a little bit before this. My buddy is playing the Sassanids. I think the two new boards are the real exciting ones. The Sassanids and the Franks both look like uh, really good, really strong armies to me right now. Um, I like the idea of playing the, uh, playing the Franks, but I think my buddy, who I play primarily, is going to be doing like the Eastern stuff. And I like to try and feel like I've got a good like historical matchup. So I think I'm going to focus on Romans right now. I do have six points of Romans already painted up and ready to go. Uh, we had a game the other day. We had a game the other day, and I did find that the Romans are maybe a little bit more dice-hungry than they used to be to really keep that impetus up. So I'm probably going to have to change my build a little bit. I've got some Hearthguard that might be coming out just to get more warriors and stuff and, and generate more dice. We'll see. We actually, that's who I played against uh, this past Sunday. I was playing the picks from the, the new 
the new book, and he was playing the new Roman board. And mm-hmm. I think I think they made moving your um, moving your impetus up simpler with that one ability there. You just toss the dice in there as many dice as you want. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know you're take you're giving up dice to get these the impetus you know bonus and everything like that. So I see what you mean by dice hungry. But uh, I thought it was really clever how they have that one ability. It's basically like a beefed up uh, activation pool that you normally don't get with the Romans or you don't get with the Romans there on that one. Uh, yeah. But you get, yeah, I thought that was a really clever mm-hmm. thing. And um, my opponent, Dave, who's been running the other version of the Edis and Arthur uh, updated one for the longest time. He really liked it. Uh, you know, he, it was his first time playing with it and he was pretty excited to see that he could get, if he rolls one rare, you know, especially late in the game when you're running don't low on, on dice, you suddenly get to pick up, two more and roll three so that was a that was a nice little buff uh late in the game yeah that's it, it is not bad i i've been playing um with the, the from the asian arthur board i think there's an ability i could play there's like a defensive ability that i could play that would raise my impetus which i would basically use every turn to keep myself at impetus four i kind of lost that so that's a bummer and uh i don't know i'm i'm, I'm still i'm still out on whether the impetus um, is kind of worth it. Like, I feel like with my Yams Vikings, that whole wrath ability, okay, they make it kind of a headache for me, but they, all of my abilities are a little extra stronger, I feel like, because of it to reward me. I don't know if I'm getting rewarded with as strong of abilities for, the, for playing with Impetus. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, all along, I've been kind of iffy about it. I think it, you, can, you can use it to be incredibly defensive. I've played a couple times where the Romans were sucking up, uh, you, know, you know, getting a couple defense dice on every attack that I do, whether it's shooting mm-hmm. or melee, and, and that, you know, that adds up over the course of a game. So I think it does make them a little more defensive. Um, I wasn't really too worried about the the Romans coming in with a big, you know, knockout blow, although he did mm-hmm. have the, the, uh, the eight-man her- foot hearth guard unit, which, which was definitely a, definitely a big knockout blow uh, if it gets in there and you don't have your defensive abilities queued up. Which, uh, which I actually liked about the picks. They they have some good defensive abilities in there. They have one called Sacred Tattoos, which is adds four defensive dice, and you know they got another one that gives you a plus one to your defensive die to to your defensive rolls, and that can that can really start out. You could even close ranks and get uh, plus two, so your saving on threes are better. So that's that's a nice little thing. With yeah, that's another scoff at with four defense dice. I like that. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so you're going to, you've already got your Romans, uh, painted up. Mm-hmm. So you're going to just, you're going to go ahead and play those against Assassinids a bit then? Yeah. Well, that's, that's where we're going to start at. I'm, I'm really trying to talk him into doing that Lee Mays campaign or however it said. Have you, go, have you looked at that yet? I have not looked at the new one. Uh, so what, what do you think of that? I don't think it's changed very much. Um, I just think it's, I love how it's kind of asymmetrical and, I love the idea of how you can actually kind of like the Romans can kind of build their base and you can actually put, uh, start adding these buildings to your, uh, um, to the terrain board when you're actually playing the game. I think that's all really neat. And uh, I don't know, I'm just excited. So I, I hope, uh, I hope he goes for it. Um, we can either do his goths against my Romans or if he wants to be the defender, I'm thinking about doing a Muslim faction uh, to represent um, the, like the Muslim conquest period. Though I'm not sure which board would be best to do that, whether I would go with the Umayyad Moors using the the rules from, say, uh, um, Age of Vikings, or uh, whether to use the Mutatowia or however it's said. 
right. kind of as the, the the new fanatics. I don't know. Right. I, I think just just looking at the the the, the boards in Age of Crusades that it's supposed the Mutatsu we are supposed to be the uh, the fanatics, and then the yeah. boards are the more you know well the way I play them at least are the guys who are more settled in southern Iberia and you know, Iberia and everything and right and uh, I mean you could still be the fanatic Moors too the ones just coming across the the list gives you that ability but I think against the Persians the uh, Mutatawiya would be the best one because the Saracens are more of the you know hey we've we've been around for a while and sure. now we like to skirmish and not so much charge in hand to hand so yeah I think that would be a good one I mean it's you know a, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking the uh, taking the campaign and moving it east. The, the Sassanids would be the settled force. They would be the the ones defending against the new, you know, uh, the new invaders and everything. So that's that's a good idea to give them a chance to play as Sassanids more. Yeah, I'm just I'm just starting to do my research there. As far as I got like my two men at arms books about the Muslim conquest, where I always start kind of with my uh, my my inspiration. Those great Angus McBride uh, color plates and. Uh, and illustrations in all those books. Oh yeah, definitely. Now, uh, so you played a game with uh, the Romans against the Sassanids. Mm -hmm. How did the elephants do? Did they? Uh, did you get stomped by them, or were you able to take them out, or what? The elephants were really cool. He's got three of them painted up. He, he fielded two, which I think we decided was probably too many. You probably just want one. Um, they can do a lot of damage, but I think maybe what you want to do is counterattack against them. Because so that, that way, when they attack, you know they're going to take a fatigue from the fight, and hopefully you've uh, snuck one hit through. Then they're sitting there with two fatigue. At that point, um, even just like a, a couple of small archery shots can probably get that third and fourth hit through. Right, that's what I found. I've I've played them twice, I believe, uh, both Carthaginian elephants, and I found the Moors with their varied shooting ability was able to able to take the elephants out and not really suffer anything from them. So, uh, not too bad. Yeah, definitely. But does Sassanid board look pretty tough then? I think so. I think so. They've got a lot of stuff I like there. The ability to remove fatigue, the ability to remove armor. You've got abilities for just getting a bunch of extra dice, either attack or defense. I think it's real solid and a lot of good stuff there that I like, particularly for supporting Hearthguard, which I tend to like. Cool. Well, I'm shooting to get somebody on who's been playing uh, Assassinids a bunch, and I think I might have another English uh, person lined up to, to talk to me, but I don't want to, no date's been set, so I don't know if, uh, I don't want to, like, you know, promise something I don't have the ability to deliver yet, but uh, so maybe okay. we'll have, uh, have a good discussion on the uh, Assassinids here pretty soon in an upcoming episode. Um, did anything from the Age of Invasions uh, make you reach for your wallet? Uh, is anything you're going to buy any new figures from the from, from this book? I don't have any purchases yet. I'm looking at uh, I, I, the Franks. Do look pretty cool to me. I, I might be finding tr trying to find some Franks um, that I really like. I haven't found any ranges that I'm super in love with, but I'm also kind of looking at a lot of the Aventine, uh, early Byzantines to represent um, those late Eastern Romans. They look real pretty. They look real pretty, man. Yeah, Aventine's got some beautiful stuff. I, I was thinking of doing the, uh, the Avent or the the Byzantine later list, the Crusades list. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, that's another one that I think is maximized with lots of lots of levy foot. And I was, I was just kind of shaking my head at that. I'm just, ah, just not ready to take that plunge yet and buy those buy those figs. I've got at least one guy who's doing some stuff kind of more on the Western front uh, for uh, um, Age of Invasion. So we'll see. 
All right. Well, Andrew, it's been great talking to you, and hopefully that uh, we can uh, get together again sometime soon. I mean, uh, I know yeah. that, uh, that uh, it's a long drive for you, but you never know. Something might happen. Something might entice you to make that, that, that uh, trip again soon. Well, I did manage to get December 4th or December 4th off from work already. So we shall so see. We, we shall, shall see. see then. That would be good. If, uh, if, if I can convince the wife and kids that uh, they can do without me for another day, <laughs> right, right. I, I might make another crazy trip. We'll see. You could tell them you're going Christmas shopping and not tell them it's for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just bail, just bail out. It's a, it's a serious Christmas shopping trip. I'll be back in two days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, that's a, it's a good good way to end. I might see you here in uh, in less than a month. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna have uh, to look at some of those uh, Crusader boards a bit more. I don't have a lot of experience there, but uh. yeah, um, I I just found out this last week that, and I guess it said that all along that um, it was Crusades. Also, I was thinking, oh, okay, well, my Scots get another chance to redeem themselves. But I'm like, well, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I, I may actually I may actually not do my Scots. And so. Might do your moors then instead? Yeah, I might. I might pull the moors back out again. I mean, I I have fun playing that army. I would say of of all the armies I've played, you know, and I think there's about I'm up to about five or six that I played more than once or twice. Like I I played P- Pagan Roost twice, but I don't really count mm-hmm. that as playing them a lot. I played right. Norse Irish tw- two or three times, but Norse Gales rather. Um, but uh, I would say that it's a toss-up between the Moors and the Welsh, which are the two most fun armies to play. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking to do some some Moors. So, yeah, maybe we can uh, – hopefully, if I do make it out, we can get a game and you can show me how the Moors work and I can uh, learn a little thing or two. Yeah, or at least how I play the Moors. I'm sure there. Are, I've heard of other people who play them as the more foot-heavy charging army like that. I play them as hmm. the more uh, – no pun intended, but the, the – uh, the later Moorish army where they would use mainly their, their mounted javelin and they'd rush out from behind the lines of, uh, of infantry and throw their javelins and run back behind the lines. And, and that was pretty much their, their battle plan to wear people down. So that's how I try to play them, but you know, who knows, maybe other people play them differently. That was kind of my, my look at how I was going to maybe do them. If nothing else, I just really like the looks of the, uh, uh, the models I put together so far on their horses with their javelins. I think they look cool. Oh, so you're already painting that. Oh, uh, they're assembled, not painted yet, though. Assembled, not painted. Ah, oh, gotcha. Yep. All right. Yep. I'd like to thank Andrew Bertelson for coming out uh, and talking to me this evening about his Irish and his victory at our CincyCon tournament. I'd also like to apologize for cutting off the last 30 seconds of our conversation on clean feed and forgetting to download it. Um, also, probably apologies are in order for not updating this uh, podcast for a while. I had a really rough couple months. Uh, my father died, and um, we had our ATC tournament and the CincyCon tournament, and school was busy, and yeah, I'm just making excuses here. But nevertheless, it was a really busy time, and hopefully I'll be able to update and do more episodes more re- more often including perhaps one after the December 4th uh, tournament at DACON. And hopefully I'll see Andrew there. Hopefully you see some of my listeners there too. Um, We're kind of awash in tournaments. We've also got another one scheduled for January 15th in the Sago, Ohio area at uh, Game Table Adventures in Newark, Ohio, which is just east of Columbus. Um, So if anybody can make any of those, we have our normal twice-a-month meetups, uh, game days, 
Uh, we're flip-flopping things in December. We'll do the do the Dayton one, obviously for Daycon, the first Sunday of the or first Saturday of the month there, and then we'll do our Columbus one, uh, probably looking like the third Sunday of December. Uh, thank you guys for being patient with me all this time when I wasn't recording, and uh, hope to be more regular after this. And hope you guys are getting good games of Saga, especially with the new Age of Invasions. See you all later. Mm -hmm.